Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, everybody. We love you too. So the uh, recipro- uh, I'm standing for you. You stood for me. Pastor Annie, this morning, uh, she wanted to be here, but she had some family business she needed to take care of. And uh, she just needed to do that, so she's not here. But it's great that you're here, and I'm, I've been looking forward to being here. I was given a topic when, when they asked me to, to speak. Uh, Libby rang me up uh, under instructions and said, would you please speak on this date, 13th, and here's your topic. And I thought about it. I thought, wow, they've given me a topic. That's good. Um, um, you, 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 either, you, you really either give a person a topic because, A, um, you feel that they can speak on that subject, uh, or B, you're controlling them from speaking on anything else. Uh, so I'm not too sure which it is, but, uh, um, but I remember in, I think it was about 19, oh, 1992 or 95, I can't remember now, I went on a, a trip to the States with um, 20-something pastors and leaders from churches, and we did a, a, a view on uh, all, all across the states, both sides, in the, inland and whatever. And part of that um, uh, marvellous two weeks was we went to Cape Canaveral and watched a space shuttle launch, um, which is really, as I think back on it now, that's probably one of the highlights of my life, even though I haven't really remembered that for about 30 years. But I remember sitting in the bus and we were waiting for this thing and for some reason it was a little bit delayed and you, 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 we're sitting in the bus, you, you're not allowed within, I mean, when they, when they did launch those things, you're not allowed within like five or ten kilometres of it and, and whatever because of the dynamic of what's happening over there across the water. But you can line up on this side and we're in this bus and we're, it was delayed and, and everyone's leaders and pastors in this thing. And I was just getting bored. So I stood up and I said to everybody, listen, I, I just want to put out a challenge. I will speak on any scripture you give me for 10 minutes without any preparation. Give me a scripture. So this is just by way of entertainment. I wasn't trying to big note myself. And of course, peop- <laughs> of course, people were getting all sorts of marvellous scriptures. And until the rocket took off, I was speaking to those things. And so pretty much my point is this, that you can take any topic you're given and turn it into whatever you want. Um, so, <laughs> so this morning uh, I intend to speak to the topic, Developing Godly Confidence. Uh, that's the topic I've been given, and th- now this is the sermon I'm going to preach. So <laughs> I... Uh, I appreciate our time together and, and I honour the fact that you even listen to people. Uh, you know, you're, you're dutiful in the fact that you are open-hearted and, and teachable and whatever. So I pray that God would speak to your heart this morning and, and that he would give you something which is unique and special for you because each one of us are on a journey and that journey is really remarkable to us and to God, but everyone else sort of looks in from the outside. So you've got to take the things you hear and apply it to your unique and specific circumstances. And that's what I'm hoping we'll do this morning. But we need help. 
as always, so let me ask for it. Father, I just thank you this morning for these lovely people that have gathered here. I know many of them, a few perhaps not yet, but I just ask that you would come now and turn human words into eternal dynamics inside of us. I pray we would be like like kernels of corn sitting on the hot plate and as you dial it up, we would start to pop with kingdom dynamic. We ask for help. I thank you for the angels that are here to help minister to the heirs of salvation. I thank you from the cloud of witnesses, those that have been assigned to minister to our hearts this morning and we welcome and honour you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, you know, before you start work, you tend to hang your hat on the, if you wear a hat, you tend to hang your hat on the hook and take your coat off and put it on, on the, the other hook and roll your sleeves up. So I'll just get right to the point up front, which really isn't anything to do with my message, but I want you to hear it. The world doesn't have a sin problem. The world has an identity problem. And that, if, if, the, if you can sh shift your filter from a sin consciousness to an identity consciousness, you'll get more out of what I'm about to tell you. I could teach that out and tell you why I said that and biblically the position I stand on, but I am, and I'm not doing that today, but I am not working through a, you've got a sin problem and God wants to forgive you of it. I am from a position of God has already forgiven you of it, you've just got to get with his program. Now, today we're talking about confidence, godly confidence, and I'm not talking about human confidence, and I'm not talking about human confidence which is ramped up with scriptures. Your confidence, if you're going to go on the journey with God in your life, your confidence is going to be taken to places where it is smashed and it is pretty much stretched to the point where it no longer works for you, and you have to trust God. Now, you can go through life with, with worldly confidence. Um, most people do. You can go through life trusting in your ability, your education, the people around you, your, your, your gifts, your training, your street smarts, or whatever. You can go through life that way. Most people do. But if you want to develop godly confidence and that was the topic I was given, then you have to learn to be confident in God. And pretty much the only time that we learn how to be confident in God is when we stop being confident in us. There is a process that God takes us on, and it's a process, I'll just keep referring to it as the journey, and it's a process of discovery. It's a process that God has uniquely designed and determined for you. And it's not like anyone else's. It, it's unique for you. It's a program that is written for you. And the more you align with God's program for your life, the more fruitful you'll be, the more fulfilled you'll be, and the more in line with God's ultimate purpose for your life, which is... I won't ask you to answer that because you'll probably be wrong and I'll, you'll embarrass yourself. The purpose for your life is this, to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. 
That's the purpose. In order to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, one of you has to change. (laughs) Guess which one? (laughs) One of us has to change. The program is that we get about understanding that we have to change because God doesn't change. The scripture tells us he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So stop waiting for God to change in your life and start understanding how you are going to change. And that's where we begin. Now, I start with a scripture, Isaiah 30, 15. It should be up on the screen. And yes, it is, KJ, NKJV, New King James Version. This is the only scripture I'll use this morning, which is New King James Version, because I really don't uh, go to that version myself very much. But this scripture, I'll read it for you. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. Now, that is in the context of God speaking through a prophet to the nation of Israel. And so I'm not speaking to actually the context of why that was written to them. I'm just sort of pulling it out, as preachers tend to do. Usually we, 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 we do disservice to it. But I'm just pulling it out as a principle because in those things in that verse, I see the gospel. I see this is what the gospel is. In returning... And rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. I think this is one way of defining the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a gospel message about a call to return, about a call to rest, about a call to be quiet, and about a call to grow in confidence. This is the gospel. And people who have walked with God, I mean really walked with God, as they mature and get older, they tend to get quieter and they tend to get more confident because, not because they know more, but because they've experienced more. In most societies in the world, there is a thing called elders uh, you know, they, have, they might not be called elders, but, uh, you know, the, the older people, the, the people who are the, the wise sages of society, and most societies have such people, <clears throat> and usually they are people that are chosen because out of their life experience comes wisdom. And so people come to them and elect them as elders, maybe they they get their title some other way, but they're supposed to express life's journey to those that haven't maybe yet experienced as much as they have or know as much as they know through their journeys. This is what elders are supposed to be. Um, It's not easy to find elders. I love young people and I love young leaders because through young people comes energy and vision. Young people are builders. Young people are uh, people that develop and, and break ground and push things back and go up in war. And young people have all of that. And I love that. But elders are people who maybe can't go out anymore and do that sort of energetic work. And maybe the vision has got a little bit stayed, but 
if you draw down on what they have seen and been and done and experienced, then it, 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 ma- it matches and marries beautifully into a tapestry where a group of people sort of are, are rich, are richer for one another. So let's talk about this journey for a few minutes this morning. I'll get as far as I can. Um, In the kingdom of heaven, a few things are given us, but most are discovered by us. So, you know, we get a lot of... when, When you come to Jesus and understand that he has forgiven you and you're saved through his work at the cross... You are given salvation. You are given a standing with the Father. But then you spend your life working it out. You discover all sorts of things about God. You don't discover things about God because you hear somebody tell you about them. You discover them because you hear about them or read about them and then God proves himself to you along the path. And in the journey of discovery, in the journey of experiencing God, we grow into Christ-likeness. You can't grow into Christ-likeness any other way. You can't go to enough conferences or go to enough church services or be on enough rosters or read enough books. The only way you grow into Christ-likeness is actually to exchange who you are with who he is, and that exchange sometimes is difficult. I find in my own life that the times when God wants me to let go and let God, you know, we had that bumper sticker years ago and, you know, let go and let God. It's, it's just a bunch of words. Try letting go. <laughs> Try letting go of something. Uh, you know, many times God's had to break my fingers to let... I have a testimony, I let go and let God, but I've got broken fingers. They're all sort of broken up. This is the process that God got me to let go and let God. But in the exchange, I'm changing. In the exchange, you're changing. And the journey for each believer is our joy. This is the joy. But it's not always easy, but it's full of joy. And discovering confidence... In discovering confidence, if you say this morning, God, I want to grow in godly confidence, then God is going to take you to some places that are beyond the limit of what you can deal with. How else do we learn how to be confident in God? And I I think we live in one of the hardest societies in the world to learn Christ-likeness through experience because we have everything. It's on tap, it's in our palms, it's in the bank, it's from the government. You know, we have so much. But if you were living on the border in Syria today and were trying to live out your faith, not knowing if your family was going to be fed and clothed or that there were going to be, uh, you know, hostile people coming and threatening your children or whatever, you would have a whole different level to draw down on. So what does God do for us? What he does for us is he takes us in life as we all... Because there are certain things that are living in the best country in the world, and I, I love being an Australian. I just love this country. I love it because I've seen a lot of countries, and I love coming back home here. I love it, and I know a lot of people love it because people come from other countries to live here. 
I enjoy the culture, I enjoy the people, I enjoy their humour, I enjoy so many, so much about Australians, no matter what they look like, their skin colour is, where they came from. I like being around Australians. I like that sense of humour where, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek and it's sort of sarcastic and everything. I've, I've had preachers say to me, being sarcastic is a sin. No, it's being Australian. You know, I, I enjoy that. <laughs> I enjoy taking people on a, on a path of, of fellowship and then push them over the edge as long as they're safe. I enjoy that. I think that's, that's part of who we are. But God is going to take us to places where we have to rely on him. Now, let's come to a story. Uh, Jesus gave this story in Luke 15. Luke 15, and I'm going to hopefully... No, that's not it. I didn't bring my glasses, and so I forgot about that. Luke 15, verse 11. There's a beautiful story. I've been stuck on this story for about four months. That's why I had to turn the sermon title into this story. And he said, a man, sorry, verse 11, Luke 15, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together, went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his entire estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country, which began to be impoverished. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. and No one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread and I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, Bring out his best robe, the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his oldest son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. And he summoned one of his servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I've been serving you and I've never neglected a command of yours and yet you give, have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours came who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes and killed the fattened calf. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. What a marvellous story. 
You know, I, I was taught when I was doing uh, Bible study that I was taught that there is one interpretation and many applications. I no, I no longer believe that. I don't approach Scripture with one interpretation and many applications. I think there are many interpretations and many applications. And so I'm going to draw out of this marvellous thing an application and a meaning. Not the meaning, but a meaning. And I'm going to ask if we can apply it. Just a few notes here, because in here we see the story of what Isaiah in Isaiah 30 refers to. The returning, the resting, the quietening, and the confidence. So, first of all, the father did not hesitate to give the boy the share of his inheritance. I want you to note very clearly here, there's no indication in Jesus' story that the father said, now listen, son, I think it's a bad move. You're going to squander it, and you're not old enough to understand what it's like out there. There's going to be all sorts of women out there that are going to come after you for this money. He didn't say that to him. There's no indication the father was in any way resistant to this plan at all. In fact, the father, it just says the father immediately, it didn't say immediately, but the father got the stuff and gave it to him. And not many days later, the son went out and did what he was going to do. There's no resistance from the father whatsoever. I find that intriguing. Because a natural father, you and I, I don't think we would have just given him the stuff. I think there would have been more in the story. If Jesus wanted there to be more in the story, there would be more in the story. He released him. And what he released him with was predetermined to be his. He wasn't spending the father's inheritance and he certainly wasn't spending his brother's inheritance. He was spending his inheritance. So the father must have suspected the son would squander it because he knew his boy, yet he doesn't oppose him. I think the father knew something. I think the father knew something. And I'll give you the end. I'm supposed to bring all your thoughts to the point at the end. I'll give you the end story. The father wants us to go on the journey. Because the boy that went on the journey ends up in the prime posse. And the boy that doesn't go on the journey ends up in a huff outside. Just... Prime, P-R-I-M-E, posse, P-O-S-S-I-E, if you're you're taking notes. Okay? (laughs) Maybe this is what the Apostle Paul is referring to. I'm going to read your scripture now. It's not on your screen. This is out of the Mirror Translation, out of Romans 8.28. We all know Romans 8.28, don't we? All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. You know that, Paul, don't you? And, you know, 29 probably as well, and maybe 30 as well. But, I, but listen, to, listen to this here. This is in the mirror. Meanwhile, we know that the love of God causes everything to mutually contribute to our advantage. His master plan is announced in our original identity. 29, he pre-designed and engineered us from the start to be jointly fashioned in the same mould and image of his son, according to the exact blueprint of his thought. We see the original and intended pattern of our lives preserved in his son. 
He is the firstborn from the same womb that reveals our genesis. He confirms that we are the invention of God. Jesus reveals that man pre-existed in God. He defines us. He justified us. He has also glorified us. He redeemed our innocence and restored the glory we lost in Adam. What I'd like you to pick up out of that, apart from anything else, is this. We pre-existed in God. We were home. And we went on a journey. Your whole life is about returning home. You found Jesus who happens to be the guide, the door, the way, and the truth. He gives you the life to go back to where life began. You and I are in the process of returning home. That's the journey. Your orientation, now that you're a believer in Christ, your orientation is back towards home. Last week, I didn't have much else to do because I thought, well, I've got to get a sermon prepared, but there's not much else to do except love my wife, be kind to my animals. (laughs) So I watched the three Matrix films. I love the Matrix films. (laughs) Neo is going to the source. Everyone else is going to Zion. I'll say it again. Neo is going to the source. Everyone else is going to Zion. If you haven't watched the Matrix films, I know they're a bit old now, watch them. I get sermons out of watching Keanu Reeves. Think about what we learned. I, I was listening to Pastor Joel the last two weeks, listening to his messages on troublemakers. I thought, who better to speak on being a troublemaker than Pastor Joel? And at some point he referred to Nat saying something, <laughs> saying something, saying something kind and honouring about me. And, and the thing is about Nat, and you'll probably hear this again, Nat, for some reason, a big day in Nat's life was a conversation that we had. We had many conversations, but a, a conversation we had where I was just feeling that Nat's Nat's delivery style from the platform here was getting a little bit too sort of Australian idolish. <laughs> and I was thinking about that during the... And we just had this conversation. Nat remembers it. I, I scarcely remember it, except he keeps reminding me of it. But, uh, but, but I said, you know, we, we don't... Be a rock star, because he was somewhere caught between, you know, Shania Twain and and who is the one I mentioned to you? Who is the other girl I mentioned to you? Uh, Shania Twain and uh, no, Delta Goodrum. No, I don't think so. Uh, Back to the sermon. (laughs) See, 
See, he had to go on the journey to that. He had to see himself as, I just, I just got the, 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 the world-class singer that's there at the moment. I'm, I don't follow the, the thing very much. And she, she slipped my, give me, give me some of the girls that are really big in the, in the industry. Taylor Swift. It wasn't Taylor Swift, but Taylor Swift will be. But so if you ever hear Nat talk about that, that illustration again, understand this and be gracious. He had to go on the journey towards being Taylor Swift in order to come back, <laughs> come back to where he is today. <clears throat> the son comes to the end of his own resources out there. He spent all his dough. He comes to the end of his resources. There's nothing more, and he's hungry. He's got nothing. He spent it because he didn't have what it takes to manage it well. You know, in the context of this message on the journey and gaining godly confidence, I want to suggest that the Mirror Bible says we came forth from God. You know what God gave to each one of us? Gifts, talents, opportunities, you know, physical attributes, whatever. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, we, 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 fed, we fed the machinery of our body with, with trans fats and doing all sorts of things. We've, we've made mistakes in, in the journey. We've made some enemies along the way. We've made some bad decisions. We've lost some money. We've invested in things that didn't return very well. We pretty much, your journey naturally is a series of squandering what God gave you. Now, that might just be a bleak way of, uh, to, to look at it, but it works for my sermon, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> at some point whether it's financial, health, whether it's business, whether it's relationships in your life, whatever, at some point you will come to a place where your resources won't fit it anymore. There's not, there's not enough left to deal with it. And what happens when you start the gospel message? You turn your face towards home. <clears throat> I think God is so gracious to us. The times in my life where I have got to the, the, what, what we would normally just term the darkest places, and I've been to a few, dark places, terrible places, difficult places, traumatic places. I look back on them now and say they were the grace of God to my life. Would I have wanted to go through them? No. Would I choose to go through them again? No. But because it's my journey, every one of them can be harnessed to learn about confidence in God. And, and dare I say it, whatever your life is today, whatever you are involved with today, whatever it is, don't waste your time blaming the devil. Enjoy the journey of relationship to God. I am... I, I, I used to teach this. For decades I taught about how we've got to be against the devil. Guys, listen, <clears throat> I can say things now because, it, you know, I'm no longer the senior pastor of everyone. I don't have to be. I'm just sharing with you as your brother in Christ. 
I don't blame the devil for anything. Yes, he's a pest. Yes, he's a nuisance. Yes, he's real. Yes, he's against me. Yes, he's always throwing things up. Everything he turns towards me, God turns into good if, if I will go the journey of trusting God. <clears throat> if I will turn my face towards home, not towards the problem. The boy came to the end of everything and he turned his face towards home and he's going home. You're going home. I'm going home. I was with a, a, with a friend recently, a person that has been given a very uh, uh, bad prognosis from the doctors. Uh, illness um, and not, not good at all. <clears throat> they were sharing with me about how they were trusting God to be healed. And I listened to them because it's their journey. I will honour their journey. I will not put my journey over their journey and make, make some sort of judgment. It's their journey. I'm not where they are. I'm not experiencing what they're experiencing. I don't know how I would deal with it because I am not in their journey. <clears throat> but I did ask them this. I said, you've spent your life telling other people how much you love Jesus and how you long to be with him in heaven for eternity. Yet when the door of opportunity comes in your life, when you can be going there, you're blaming the devil and trying to resist it with all your might. I said it carefully. I said it gently. I said it lovingly. But I said, you preach something you don't live. Now, am I saying embrace sickness and death? No, I'm not. What I'm saying is, don't tell me you love Jesus and long to be with him when you're doing everything not to be with him. Something's got to change in either your doctrine or your experience. <laughs> they said to me, James, you've, you've said that for years and years, ever since I've known you. You've been on this, we're going home. I am not talking, hear me, because people will listen to the podcast. I am not saying embrace sickness like it's your friend. I'm saying embrace the Lord on the journey no matter where you are in life. And be willing to walk with him through everything. Every day that you have. I long to be with the Lord. I long to be home. But I've longed to be home since I was 18. I'm, not, I'm a visitor in this planet. I'm walking through this life. I don't belong here. I've never belonged here. I'm doing my journey here while I'm going back to Zion. Jesus went to the source, I'm going to Zion. Watch the film. <laughs> I'm not getting very far with this, but I'm, I'm putting down a few, a few planks in the road. <laughs> this is why people give me a topic.
the son's heart turns towards home, he comes up with this marvellous little speech. He's got his speech. Father, I have sinned before heaven. Notice he sinned before heaven, but in the father's sight. He doesn't say he sinned against the father, because he hasn't. It was his money. He doesn't have a sin problem against his father, but he said, I have sinned before heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me henceforth as one of your hired men. Now, we, we see him rehearse it. He's got this little thing, speech rehearsed. He's coming towards home. He's running it over in his mind. He's thinking, when he says that, I'll say this, and I'll do this, and I'll respond here, and I'll do this. And his father, who was like Father God, waiting for us to come home once we've burned our natural resources through, <clears throat> not through salacious living, but two or three of you, most of you have been out there doing everything, you know, rat bags, but you're going home... <laughs> While he's rehearsing, while he's a long way off, his father sees him. His father sees him, runs to him, dives on his neck, it says. It says embraces him. It literally means falls on his neck. Falls on his neck, kisses him. This is a guy that's been in the pig pen, kissing him. <clears throat> the guy's trying to get free from the embrace, saying, Father... <laughs> I've sinned before heaven and again, I've, I've, excuse me, I've rehearsed this. <laughs> Goes through the whole thing. You know what? He's returned home and he's found his, his father's embrace. His father's embracing him. His father's holding him up. His father's loving him. His father's kissing him. His father's enjoying him. And he realises for a first time in a long time He's at rest. Now he's trying to get his little sermon out. The father's voice is now heard. Quickly, bring the robe, bring the ring, bring the sandals. Get that, get that pig on the barbecue because we are going to celebrate. Now <laughs> the father's got hold of him. And you know what? Whether it was the embrace, the tightness of the embrace or the fact that he only had one message and he'd already got it out and the father hadn't listened to it, there's no point saying it again, he enters into the third space called quietness because his murmuring gives way to the father's loving commands. <clears throat> How's your prayer life going? Oh, don't ask me about it. Everyone looks at the floor. How's your prayer life going? <clears throat> I find this in my prayer life, that when I'm, not, when I'm back in the, <laughs> in the story somewhere, you know, with, with the pig pen of life trying to get myself extricated from all sorts of nonsense and rubbish, and my prayer life is this, God, you've got to get me out of this, you've got to get me through this, you've got to, you know, I'm, I love you, I'll go to church more, I'll give more, I'll serve, I'll even serve in the children's ministry, please get me out of this. <laughs> There's a special place in heaven for people who work in the children's ministry and the youth ministry. <laughs> oh, dear. But then your prayer life goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. And you start to, to rest in God. And then your voice quietens down. And you start to hear his voice. 
And that boy had, you know, he didn't need the repentance. The father wasn't looking for that. The father could so easily, for the second time in this story, the father could so easily have said, well, son, you made a right mess of that. You'll be living on baked beans from now on. He could have said, I want you to do two years as a hired servant just to learn your lessons so that you'll never forget it. None of that nonsense. What is this? This is the heavenly father. I accept you. <clears throat> you smell like pigs, but I accept you. I love you. I'll kiss you. I'll embrace you. He's now resting. He's now quiet. The father's giving orders. Get this thing. Get this. this is a, a brilliant day. Comes in, puts a robe on him that isn't his, that isn't his brother's. Must have been the father's. Puts a ring on his finger. It wasn't the boy's. Everything that was coming to him, he took. This came from someone else. Must have come from the dad. Put sandals on his feet. Hopefully he's got the same size feet as his father. It didn't matter. He's got sandals. And get the barbecue going with a special animal that we prepared for such a day like this. Oh, listen, guys. We came forth from God. <clears throat> We've done some squandering. We've made some decisions. We went our own way. The Father isn't looking at you through eyes of sin. He's not reminding you every day that you've failed him. He's not saying, if only you, and I'll make sure that you do it tough for a while so that you'll never, you know. He's not. He's not doing that at all. You can't hear anymore because he is speaking words of giving you things you don't deserve. The boy finally is confident in this situation and goes into the house and it says, and they, dad and son, began to celebrate. If you're sitting here today, dear friends, listen, if you're sitting here today and you're caught up in your sin, you're outside the father's house. Come on in. <clears throat> We've got a party going. Dad doesn't need your little speech. He wants you to come inside. Then there's the older brother who's out in the field working. He comes in and just quickly, I've got nine minutes and eight seconds left. This is the thing. He's coming in from outside. What does he do? Well, he gets in a huff. He, he, he gets in a huff. None of his inheritance was stolen. Nobody took his stuff. He still got the same stuff he had when he went out to work in the morning. He comes in and, and, and the fatted calf, the only thing is the fatted calf's been killed. And he said, you never gave me a goat. He preferred goat. Oh, it was a fatted calf. It wasn't a pig, was it? It was a, it was a, it was a cow. Better get the doctrine right. <laughs> so, so they're having T-bones on the barbecue. He said, I prefer a bit of goat. Give me some goat. You didn't get a goat for me or my friends. This son of yours, so he's got such a stinking attitude. I've had that attitude a few times. When someone else is blessed, you may not have, I have. Outside, the story ends with the boy outside. The father's pleading, come on in. Come in and celebrate. You've, everything you had, you've still got. You've lost nothing. Come and have some of the fattened calf. The boy stays outside. Here's the difference in my mind. The difference between the two boys is this. One went on a journey. 
and one didn't. I'm not talking about a physical journey necessarily in our lives. I'm talking about a journey with God. One found something in his father, the other didn't. One recognised now the father's love and the father's grace and the father's forgiveness and the father's acceptance. The other boy, even though the father pleaded with him, couldn't see it. He hadn't entered into any of that. The last scripture I want to give you is a scripture that really puts this into context. Oh, by the way, the final part of Isaiah's thing in Isaiah 30, 15, he said, he said in returning and rest is your, what was it, is your strength, uh, no, confidence, whatever, and in quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would not. Well, the young boy... The youngest son got into all the first four, but the older son didn't get the first four because he didn't go on a journey with his father into his father's heart. And outside he's saying, but I will not come in. I'm not coming in. I'm not coming in to celebrate with anybody. I believe the only thing that can really show you Christ-likeness is the journey God's got you on. I don't think anything else can. I don't think anybody else can. It's your journey. It's your life. In John 13, 3 to 4, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself and he washed their feet. You want to do ministry? You want to do ministry? Well, have you got the three things that Jesus had down secure that the boy learned through his journey and coming home? Have you got them down secure? Do you know what the father has placed into your hands? The son had a robe and sandals and a ring and a full stomach. He, know, he knows where he is up to because of the journey. He's put the journey now through the filter. I think he's thinking back to his dad saying, you know, dad knew all of this before I even went out. Dad knew I'd come home a mess and stinky and repentant and in a mess. And I'm having a better relationship with him now than I ever had before I left. I think the boy would have been thinking about that if it was a real story. Jesus knowing that the Father had put all things into his hands. Do you know what he's put into your hands? Do you know who you are? Not who you'll be. Do you know who you are? <laughs> knowing where he had come from, it says, of Jesus. The boy knew where he'd come from. He'd come from the pig pen. He'd come from home, then via the pig pen, now he's back at home. He knew where he had come from. Jesus knew where he had come from. I believe he was talking about glory, not about Jerusalem, Bethlehem. He's talking about glory or 
Nazareth or wherever. It was talking about where he'd come from in glory. And he knew where he was going. Never take your eyes off where we are going. Never, ever, 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 ever take your eyes off where we're going. We're going home. I don't know what the fattened calf tastes like in heaven's banquet, but I tell you, I want a slice. I'm going to chow down on some decent T-bone. I want, well, maybe, and for the vegans. (laughs) I think we ought to look after our species that are nearly extinct. I think we ought to care for them. Moving right along. (laughs) Jesus, knowing what the Father had put into his hands, knowing where he'd come from, and knowing where he was going, could turn around and minister. He could minister whether or not people admired him or stood up and honoured him or whether people abused him. He could minister because he knew the three things that the gospel gives to each one of us. Four, really. In the returning, we get rest, we get quietness, we get confidence. We're going home, friends. Oh, I look forward to it. But while I'm here, I want to share with others. I want to encourage others along the path. I want to give every day of my life to glorifying God. I don't want to give one ounce of glory to the devil. I don't blame him for anything, even though he's behind all sorts of things. I just see what he meant for evil, God's turning to good. I see grace in every challenge. I see grace in every challenge. Everything the Lord allows me to go through fastens my focus more on my dad. He's calling me home. Sometimes I can even hear the, 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 the cloud of witnesses and those that are already there cheering me on. Sometimes I can, like I can hear them, not with my natural ears, but I can hear them cheering me on. I have been in my prayer times to places that I I think I'm going to experience. I've seen my entrance back into that city. And for me, it'll be different from you. But I want to go back as a warrior. For me, that's just the way I think. I want to go back having fought the good fight. I want the warriors that have gone before me to stand there and cheering me on saying, you've fought well. You trusted well. You didn't give the enemy any chances that he wanted, but you stood. And yes, you've got scars for it. Yes, you've been beaten up. Welcome into the ranks of the warriors. I've stood in a building in in heaven. So glorious. It was filled with people that I didn't feel I had any right to be with. They were like huge men and women, I guess. I could only see them from behind. And they stood there like an army. And I was ushered in and I was 
given some garments in that place. I want the armies of heaven to welcome me home. Now, you might have a different picture and it's okay. That's all right. Mine isn't the right one. It's just right for me. I want the commander-in-chief to come and welcome me. I want Jesus on his horse or whatever he is to come as the commander of the armies of heaven and say, James, welcome home. And I'll say, I've been, I've been longing ever since I was born to come back because I was sent forth I did my journey. <laughs> I realized it wasn't enough in my own strength. I started to rely on you. Somebody help me. And that's if I get there before you, here's the deal. I will ask for permission for every person that I ever pastored who makes it. No, I'm sure they all will make it. <laughs> for, for every person that I ever pastored that is coming after me, I will ask permission from Jesus if I can be amongst those that would welcome them home. Because we stood together. We journeyed together. We fought together in some cases. We believed together. We prayed together. We did ministry together. My time's gone. It's turned red, which is hostile. But it just, it just, it just, uh, I just want to leave you with this thought. We're all together in this. We're going home. One day, some of you have decades and decades and decades to run and journey. Enjoy it. Learn to trust God. Some of you, a little less time. Some of you, enjoy lunch. But we, we, we're going home. <laughs> now listen... If you feel differently to me, that's okay. I just gave you the James version on life and, 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 and gospel. That's all. That's okay. You can believe something different. What I just told you works for me. It's working pretty well, actually, these days. Works for me. So God bless you. I'm going to hand this back to Pastor Joel. And I, I just want, do want to say, I think this is a great church. I think the leaders, I think all of you, everybody that comes, everyone's part of the church here is just marvellous. I think your, your team's marvellous. And I, I, love, I, love the, the, I love all of the, the young people, but the guys that are my age as well or, or around, around my age, I love you too. I honour you. I honour you. So keep going, all right? Don't give up. Celebrate. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.